Holy and Human. I'm Adam Foley. And I'm Elisa Romeo. Today we're talking about the Divine Masculine. of holy and human masculinity is something that is so dear to me and elisa and such a huge part of our spiritual path that it's been hard to jump into this how do we topic. even start talking start? about it but we've have a really good i think way Entry of points. getting into it because this came up the other day yeah so our way in that we realized, I mean, I just got chills as it was happening and I almost wanted to secretly start like Instagram storing you because it was like a really beautiful moment I felt like I was spying on in that Adam was with our seven-year-old son who we won't say his name on the show because we just try to keep his name out of it, but our seven-year-old son in the bathroom and I heard him say to Adam, what did he say exactly? How'd you put it? He, he put, said, at what age are you officially a man? Mm. which i think has come up because our eldest is turned 13 this mm-hmm. summer and so it's been sort of a topic we, around our household and that was the first thing you addressed you said well a lot of people will talk about the physical changes first that happen when you become a man which as you said you know get hair in new places and your voice drops might be a little moody <laughs> you might have a little more smell to your perspiration but then then what did you say then i said that i said so it it it's all about how you define a man what is being a man and i would say i know full-grown people that are not men and i know uh young people that are men and so being a man is not about your physical appearance or about what age you are and it's about equality. And I said, being a true man, in my eyes, is when you are willing to protect those that are weaker than you, to stand up for what is right, to uh, stand up to bullies sometimes, and uh, and as if you act from love, if you come from a, a true, compassionate place in you. And I said, in many ways, you are already a man because he has a lot of those qualities, Mm. you know. And then we started joking. I was like, would you like me to start calling you man boy? (laughs) (laughs) And so we did played around with that for a day. We're like, man baby or man boy and having fun with that. Side note, you don't know this yet because I picked up our son from school today. But he said when he got in the car, he broke up a fight between two kids in the line today. Oh, wow. So what? And I said, what happened? And when they come out, they can get, you can either go to the bus or you can get in a line if your parents are picking you up. And apparently there was just like, someone was cutting and they started fighting about who was first in the line to go home. And he, I said, what did you do? And he said, I just got in between them. And I said, we don't need to fight about this. We're all going to get home. And I thought that was a great nice. thing to Good. do. Yeah. Um, Smart kid. You know, I think there's a lot of probably nuance and I would talk about in the future of like when and how and if to yeah. enter into a fight depending on what's happening. Absolutely. There's definitely not, times where like, we tell our boys also sometimes don't seek, it's appropriate yeah. to 
walk in the other direction if if certain things are happening but i think in that kind of a situation it was totally um which he's mastered that skill too mm -hmm. which i'm very proud of is that when there's somebody that is just being very unreasonable or crazy or something and i you know he's if very they're in- trying to get your goat or trying to yeah. activate when to disengage and or even so. if it's just another situation away from you in yeah. the room you know as to, a mother yeah. if i hear them hearing gunshots somewhere walk away yeah. run the other way <laughs> yeah 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 and he's he's in Intuitive, and we've had those conversations before. So I know he's not going to go seek out mm-hmm. violence as a definition of masculinity, uh, but I think he he understands that. I love when I overheard you saying that the protector thing because I do think that's the quality of like standing up for love and what is right and how do I protect and safeguard that? How do I look for the places in the world where th- I want that to cultivate and be nurtured and how do I support and really be yeah. So to talk about the masculine, and when I say the masculine, I mean the divine masculine. So an energy that has existed since the beginning of existence, and it's in relationship to the divine feminine. So the divine masculine does not exist without the divine feminine, like a yin-yang, and has nothing to do with gender, sexual preference, or sexual identity. But... It's a quality, it's an energy. Yeah, and... And it's an archetypal universal energy. You see it in the animal kingdom. You see it, you know, it's not... In plants, in the universe, and everything. And I have so much information there to share. But where I always like to start is with the archetypal piece. Because when you start talking about divine masculine to people, especially in these new age spiritual circles, it's really easy to immediately put an image in your head of what that masculine looks like. Of like, oh, the masculine super directive and always knows what he's supposed to say and is always this type of thing. He's almost like always on his game. Yeah, and there's this really high bar that Mm -hmm. is presented. And so most men, when they're starting to do masculinity work, immediately get very frustrated and and have a feeling like they're not enough. Mm. Especially if it's a guy coming to me from like a relationship where the other side of the relationship's like, I want him to work on his masculinity. Mm. And so then he feels like there's something missing, like maybe he's not good enough. Or, mm. So it brings up so many complicated feelings as soon as you dive into this idea of there being archetypal masculine and one way energies we can get aligned with and what i always tell people is there are archetypal divine masculine energies but how they show up through that individual's personality are entirely different so my masculine is not going to look like your masculine is not going to look like his masculine or her masculine and it changes Mm -hmm. and so it's about finding your individual essence of the masculine Mm -hmm. and what's very counterintuitive about that is often it starts with vulnerability Mm -hmm. often it starts with the feminine that you first need to get in touch with your feelings Mm -hmm. with what's really happening with you so then you can claim yourself Mm -hmm. and so i think that people can get really thrown off on that first step Mm -hmm. like i was talking to a friend the other day who actually was in the situation where his wife wanted him to like activate get his masculine going Mm -hmm. uh in a situation but i could tell that he was not going to get there unless he first 
felt his emotions and went through his vulnerability. And why I say that is because through your vulnerability is where you are, is where your your essence is, is where what is real is. What is really happening to you right now? What are you really feeling? Not what do you want to be feeling or how are you trying to control your thoughts, Mm -hmm. but just like what is, Mm -hmm. what is the experience of that? Because the only way to embody your masculine is to get to know yourself on a really deep level and then to claim that masculine and to claim his truth in the world and how that shows up. And that Mm -hmm. can show up through something that externally looks very masculine, but it can also show up through something that looks very feminine like ballet or painting or Mm -hmm. any of these things. So it's not about what you do, but how you do it. And that's all about getting connected to you. All that said, I do always intuitively feel these masculine forces and archetypal themes within clients. And I can see it as an energy, really, or feel it. And when we're doing couples work at retreats and like moving couples, you know, in the room energetically, seeing how that's playing out. Yeah. And the similarities that I've seen between a lot of the, the thread that ties it all together is masculine energy is usually mission focused it's usually a doing energy and he finds himself through fulfilling his mission through doing the thing so that's yang energy you know in the yin yang there's the yin which is a restful receiving state and the yang which is the doing external state and it took me a long time to learn that about my masculine that there was a part of me that found myself through the action through the doing if it's through doing our business or if it's through even raising the kids or if it's just showing up for you in certain ways my brain and my body processes it as like a mission it's like what's my mission today my mission is i'm gonna watch the kids this afternoon and we're gonna have a good time that's my goal that's my mission now how am I with that mission is how my masculine appears and where I find my fulfillment. If I show up to that mission like, I don't know if I can do this with a lot of doubt, then I feel disconnected from myself. If I show up to that mission uh, with pressure of perfectionism, then I get lost. If I, But if I can show up to that mission embodying myself and feeling like myself, bringing my own personality to the mission, like having fun with it, enjoy with it, or being creative, bringing my unique essence to that mission, that's when I really feel like I'm in flow with my masculine. And I, I think that's the goal that I try to get to with clients and other men is like, can you get in a flow with your masculine state on a daily basis? And I think one of the other tests that we kind of look at when we're assessing, you know, it's a little complicated to talk about it because it's on a continuum where, of course, all of us have feminine and masculine energies internally. So for me, my inner masculine, Marion Woodman, the Jungian analyst, talks about like your inner feminine might be the part of you that's like painting the art, but your inner masculine is the part that like takes your art off the wall down to the coffee shop and says will you hang this? I think you Mm -hmm. should hang this up. So it's the part of you that's advocating and protecting and kind of, you know, 
yeah. f- serving the feminine inside of you. So the first work is doing your own inner masculine yeah. and feminine work. But we also find that some souls, it's a continuum, so it's like a spectrum, but some souls really do lean much more masculine or feminine regardless of sexual identity and gender. So, yeah. But there does seem to be a correlation where in general, some people say it's like 80%, like you know, or so if you have a, a feminine gender identity and maybe even, or, and, or biology, if you're more likely to associate yourself as a feminine soul, but then it goes into, there's a whole other, you know, lifetimes where we're not necessarily a a female or a male in every lifetime. So, so, but your soul has the same essence regardless. So what we look at, one thing we look at energetically is in a couple Often there's one partner that would rather fuck the other person open to God. And the other partner is the one that wants to surrender open into the expanse of yin energy of experiencing themselves as almost like transcendent and beyond. And the doing part is more of the yang energy of the masculine. The yin is the more expansive. And I would say in bed, and that's not to say you never play the other role because everybody usually like plays it both or tries on, but there's usually patterns in terms of in general with us, I play a much more feminine role in bed of expanding and you're guiding the action yeah, and, and, and letting love channel through and into us yeah. to guide. Which I think is good to clarify now. So we see all per- percentages. They can be 60-40% of you have masculine feminine energy. Sometimes it's a 50-50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a 10%, 90%. So it's all mm-hmm. over the board. And and there's a lot of different scenarios. And what, I, what we mean by if you are a larger percentage masculine soul or feminine soul is that when you are in a state of feeling soul connected and embodied is your natural place on the feminine receiving side or is it the masculine doing side mm-hmm. and i'm not in my masculine all day long i'm i vacillate all but all over the place and we i'm not vacillate thinking... between each other and constellate each other where maybe it's a moment where i'm running something more in my masculine and you're more supporting that. And then we shift roles where yeah. vice versa. So I don't have like a monitor in my head. That's like, <laughs> stay in like, the masculine. You're not in the masculine now, or you are in the masculine. Mm-hmm. Like that's exhausting mm-hmm. and nobody can sustain that. But and when it to. comes down to a, embodying my soul, the moments that I feel embodied are when I'm in the masculine and that shows up a lot through intimacy with me and you. Well, I think it's that feeling too of, oh, here I am. And I think you and I both experience that. Yeah. That's how you know, is that, I mean, I'm really good at the masculine. I was raised to be really independent and self-sufficient and like all of that, you know, because yeah. my mom was kind of coming out of like, her mom was like more of a subservient housewife. So it was really important for her to raise girls with like high self-esteem who were really capable. And so that was... Independent, yeah, not that, reliant on yeah. anybody else. And that was yeah. drilled in me from yeah. a young age. So actually there was also a little bit of an association of like the feminine might be unsafe. If you're actually surrendered, maybe you're going to get screwed over. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe it's like dumb to be in the feminine. So when I started actually meeting my true experience of my soul energetically in that way, it was really scary. And I had to deprogram stuff because I could feel where, even though I might be good at running something with you, 
it wasn't my happiest place. It wasn't yeah. my most joyful, most me place. But then when your soul would show up more in the masculine and then I would experience myself as this other energy, it was foreign and scary and different, but there was a feeling of like relief. This is it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In coming home. And yeah. I think that's kind of how you know. It's not what can you do. It's what feels the most inherently you. And you might not always know it yet because we live in a really immature society of understanding these things so sometimes we're running energies out of wounds or programming that aren't necessarily our true nature yeah there's so much cultural shadow on what is masculine and what is feminine so we invite you as listeners to try to take that off any because we're not talking about it in the way to of like gender equality right now like because there is a place where you you know need to very explain to people the value of you know, and there's a place where we're still bad like that. at that too. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Like you mean our, society? Yeah, so yeah. socially, it's yeah. still not equal and not yeah. fair. And there's trauma on both sides, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of miscommunication, misunderstanding. So it's like sometimes it's about advocating literally for women's rights, <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it's about um, honoring the wounds that the masculine have endured, yeah. um, and the projections and One thing I was thinking earlier when you back to the whole, how do you know when you're a man is as you were saying that to him and I, it reminded me of, um, Oh, you mean Luca's question? When do you become a, our son's question? Yeah. About when do you become a man was reminding me of this video I had seen a while ago and it was some kind of a protest and there was some kind of young guy who had somehow come across some kind of big, guns i don't know guns well but some ak 47s i don't know he had some kind of big weapons you might remember this this was in seattle yeah and uh he you could tell he felt like a badass he felt like i am all the movies i've seen growing up i am the video game energy but what it looked like was a boy trying on men's power power but you could feel inherently he hadn't earned it he wasn't running any kind of true energy it was a boy who had felt powerless, having a moment of power over others, terrorizing yeah. others. Mm-hmm. And then there was a man who I think was like a Marine or something who had been trained around weapons. And you saw him just walk up and like instinctually quickly just kind of like take the guy down yeah, and take the guns out of his hands and kind of like leave him defenseless, but like then take the weapons off knowing how to. And it was the difference between there's a boy and there's a man. Yeah. And it had nothing so much to do with the weapons. It was it, how they did it. It had mm-hmm. to do with where's the love here? Yeah. <laughs> how am I, you know, protecting and finding it? And like, am I doing, yeah, just reckless power over to feel something. Yeah. That type of power versus an internal connection. To I true think that's power. such a good metaphor to use because there is no divine masculine unless it is in relationship to the divine feminine. And I've come to know that so clearly that the masculine, when I say finding your mission, finding that purpose that really calls you and brings you into your body, that is the feminine. It's in relationship to the feminine. So like what I told our son about standing up with love for something, it's not getting involved in the fight to get for the sake of getting involved in the fight or just for this yeah or for the sake to prove who's stronger 
it's only getting involved if you're standing up for somebody else's well-being or something uh, true something true and so it's when that heart activation starts it's when you're you're fighting from a place that is not a pretend place or a place from ideals or a place from trauma or anything but it's a place from this is right and i know this is right and there's such a relief when you step into that role Mm. like i think that people talk about how it's hard to fight for what's right Mm. but also as soon as you step into that role that masculine role all your priorities are straight there's no Mm. like question of his purpose your identity or um yeah it's like all the inner houses align Mm. you know uh i'm just describing that a little bit to give sort of a a feeling a feeling of what it is like when you're in that masculine state because that's that's an example of you're doing something and embodying mm. at the same time and so with that situation with the gun and all that the first kids grabbing that gun from the motive of well he doesn't know his motives is unconscious but it's probably a i just want to act out just kind of uh, stir up some shit and see what happens because I'm feeling lost. Like I don't know myself. And you can feel the frustration and, of that's what it is. The frustration yeah. of I don't know who I am. So I'm going to do whatever it is to get a reaction from And people. how has his parents or our society failed that initiation process where yeah. we don't have rituals and we don't have vision quests in the same way as some cultures where yeah. it's like he didn't have another way to access or to f- discover himself yeah. with those elders kind of initiating him showing him yeah and then this other man comes in with the intention of i'm protecting these people in this crowd yeah and this boy and protecting you from yourself protecting the boy from himself you know Mm -hmm. and so he's coming from a really altruistic place so Mm -hmm. like i'm just coming in and i'm you know de-escalating the situation right away Mm -hmm. and so there's an example right there of an interaction between a false masculine and a true masculine. And when you watch the video, you're like, oh, there's the hero. Yeah. I've been looking for the hero. Where's the hero? And I think a lot of different feminine souls are so let down by masculine because our society's failing masculine and feminine yeah. in the sense of we're not training in general our masculine to know and understand themselves in this way. And yeah. then the feminine's wandering around trying to find it in places where it's not and and then trying to pretend it's in places where it never was yeah you know i think there's a reason too that men are attracted to like the action movies and superhero Mm -hmm. movies and because there's a very clear objective there's Mm -hmm. like i need to go do this thing there's this mission to accomplish this villain to defeat and all the things you got to do before that. It's like, why, why do we like action movies that are stressful? You know, it's like, it's like, Oh my God, they kidnapped this person. Now you have to figure out how are you going to figure out how to disarm this bomb in 10 seconds? How are you going to figure out to do this? And I think the masculine sometimes gets a rush from these proposed situations because it's like, are you going to be able to conquer this situation? Are you going to be able to resolve this mission? But so, no matter if you're false masculine or true masculine, you might find some joy in that. But if you are never exposed to 
true purpose in your life Mm -hmm. and you're only kind of getting hints and clues of something masculine through very violent films Mm -hmm. then you seek it through violence you're Mm -hmm. like oh how can i put myself in this type of situation like that boy that's like i'm gonna now put myself in a situation i have a gun because this is the thing that feels like it has the most rush for me Mm -hmm. in life uh and i think that i know so many men who operate really on this this kind of mission level every day and i and also a lot of wives and other partners that don't really realize how men operate like i think that there's and there's so when i you know you might notice i'm switching between the word masculinity and men and like and i also there is also similarities similarities to just men biologically you know if you read uh men are from mars women are from venus by john gray he talks a lot about just the chemicals in the brain of the masculine and how they function a little differently. And so, of course it gets complicated because even biologically you've got variants. You yeah. can have Turner syndrome. You can have Kleinfelter syndrome. There are, so absolutely. even though we talk yeah. in generalities, we're very aware that even biologically it's a continuum. Yeah. But it's some way to talk about any of it. You have to kind of but talk about it. yeah <laughs> so absolutely to... statistically there is a high percentage of men that their brains when they're stressed get more quiet and mm-hmm. more mission flood focused easier too yeah and they flood easier well what john gray says is that the man under stress gets more and more focused on the mission where often the female brain statistically on stress gets more and more involved in the little details Mm -hmm. of what's going on around um, the mission in general brains women and men the corpus callosum is more with men it's one hemisphere at a time so that's why women generally can juggle a baby talk on the phone cook dinner at the same time and we know very well between you and i if you're driving and i ask you a question we're gonna miss our turn or whatever like you have to whereas you know so and that might be wired also for the mission so if there's like a bear in the woods you can narrow in on it yeah um Mm -hmm. but it does create sometimes frustration in interpersonal communication because in general men and women do talk differently flood differently fight differently and sometimes have sex differently usually most women are more connecting the oxytocin hormone earlier in their sexual evolution process than for men which is the bonding hormone the same hormone that comes over women when they gaze in their eyes of their baby breastfeeding in it nature's providing us that link of you're my baby i love you more than anyone else you know and that's the women get that doses of that hormone yeah earlier in sex than men yeah and why i took that little interlude is because i wanted to say that a lot of people don't understand how the masculine operates because I think it's silent and sometimes behind their words uh, and actions and on a biological level, but also on that archetypal level. So we have the our brains are a little bit wired for this this disposition and this very true universal archetypal energy of mission focused. So one of the most common issues I see in relationships is when a man feels like he's not appreciated for his mission or that his mission doesn't have value Mm. within the family system or within the relationship. 
and or there's no purpose mm. in it so if a masculine feels like he can't ever make his partner happy mm-hmm. like no matter how many missions he solves if he's like oh i got us the car i did this thing and i got the job and i you know and if there's if he feels like there's ongoing critique and ongoing anxiety. and that there's nothing that ever really satisfies then he goes into a depression mm-hmm. and or an apathetic state where he feels disconnected and like i said the masculine finds himself through the doing so if he finds there's not really a point in the doing then he can get really lost and mm-hmm. off track or if he feels like yeah there's just non-stop missions and that he's not getting a break he needs the feminine. He needs that balance. He needs to be able to sit, relax, receive the love of the relationship, or he doesn't know where his orientation is. One thing I think is so cool is how you raise our boys and how you're always thinking about planting these seeds of these ideas and ways in them that are developmentally appropriate and also really promote empathy for other masculine and feminine experiences in them. And our 13-year-old recently just turned 13 this summer, and it was so important to you. You really, I love how you you really researched. You were reading different books on initiation ceremonies because you had had your own bar mitzvah mitzvah when you were 13. Mm -hmm. And that's the becoming a man ceremony, right? And you had, you could talk about what you went through. I remember you said at one point the rabbi had asked you like, do you believe in God and like yeah. what's the point of life and having you think about your own questions with that? Yeah, it was confusing because it was through a religion. So there was definitely like dogma on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much I love about Judaism now uh, looking back on it all. But what was cool was having at that age, some other adults turn to me and being like, hey, what do you think now mm-hmm. about the purpose of life even though you don't identify as jewish now necessarily that process was so good for you in terms of just like as an initiation as a ritual as a ceremony yeah it was just a different way of it wasn't you know reflecting kids is so important and there's kind of levels we can do it you have to do it developmentally where they're at you know they draw a cool drawing and you're like wow that's amazing and you you know want give them that type of encouragement but it's a different type of reflection when you really look at a kid when he's reached a certain age and say hey we are kind of equal now and we're looking eye to eye and i'm asking you a question very seriously and really want to hear your feedback about what do you think about all this? You're no longer only a kid. You have a say in kind of what's going on here. So I thought that was really um, helpful. And I've always just had a disposition towards spiritual things. So it was a good arena for me. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, suddenly some adults are asking me spiritual questions. I was like, finally, mm-hmm. I can talk about this with somebody. So I wanted to replicate that, but I wanted to do something that was individually based uh to him for him that wasn't religious so then i ended up i read a bunch of books but i ended up throwing a lot of that out the window because one thing that i think is really important about doing soul parenting is being able to 
individually, mm-hmm. intuitively look at each kid. What does that like? Kid what does this kid need? Mm-hmm. So, I was really looking at him, and about like what would really work for him. And what we ended up doing is we went on a camping trip, just me and him, and we had a friend take us out on a boat to this little remote island that you. It has a few amenities there, but there's it's very. Uh, you got to get Isol- there by a isolated. boat. Yeah, yeah, you have to get there by a, your own boat. There's no other way to get there. So we had a great time. And and I think he felt really special being like, you know, this is about you turning into a man. Your little brother's yeah. not on this trip. Your mom's not on this trip. I think it also made getting exciting, uh, getting, getting older a little bit more exciting because I think yeah. he had a this. A little bit of fear yeah. about it. A little Uh, bit of nervousness about, do I want to grow up there? I think 13 is that age of like, well, I still enjoy kind of doing some younger kid things. I can merge with play with the nine and 10 year olds, but I also kind of want to be like the 15 year olds. And And I think there was part of him that's kind of like, why grow up? Like, what's the, like, what's the (laughs) point? Because it's like the kids are having all the fun Mm -hmm. and the adults are working and kind of stressed. So why would I want more responsibility, more work Mm -hmm. and all these things? And so I think the ceremony was a way of pointing out that there's joy in becoming a man too and privileges and that responsibility is hard, but it's also comes with more control of your life Mm -hmm. and ability to follow your passions. And so it was really great. I'm really happy we ended up doing that. I wanted to say real quick, I just watched the movie Dune that came out and there's this one scene where he has this sort of older mentor in the military that teaches him how to fight. And he goes and he's teaching a younger kid who's maybe 15 or something like that. And he goes up to the kid and he he basically just goes up and starts doing a fighting practice by just like attacking him (laughs) and the kid says i'm not in the mood i don't want to do this right now and then he's like is your enemy in the mood or i forget exactly what he (laughs) says but like basically like you have to get over this mood Mm. like you're not allowed to not fight because you're not really feeling like it that Mm. day and I think there was something really true and powerful in that that I noticed about the masculine because we talk all the time about, of course, you should you should feel your emotions, access your emotions, be with your emotions. Uh, and that is an essential skill because how many adults have never learned how to be with their emotions? I'm still figuring yeah. it out. But there's also something to be said about that moment when you say no to your emotions when you're like, I need to take action in the world. I need to rip myself out maybe of this ruminating emotional experience that Mm. sometimes emotions can, if they're coming from a ruminating place, really take you out. Mm. And sometimes you need a splash of cold water and a, you know, wake up soldier, snap out of it, (laughs) energy to get on with your life, Mm -hmm. you know? And that is there is a gift there from the masculine that yeah. I think is so hard I think what, to pinpoint. That's so attractive to many women is the fact of most women don't want a man who can't feel his feelings and be vulnerable. That gets boring and old fast to yeah. most women I hear in sessions. And, but what they also want is somebody who can rally when 
it's hard and they don't feel like it and they're not going to crumble under pressure. So it's like to have that ability to, for them to honor their inner feminine and be vulnerable and feel their feelings, but also to have that, yeah, like fire to be able to stand up when you don't feel like it. (laughs) Yeah. One way I describe the masculine when it comes to intimacy and leading people into spiritual experiences, because this is the whole material of our book, Holy Love, is how do you, through intimacy, enter into spiritual ecstasy? How do you actually get to such an authentic, intimate experience that you are experiencing divine love? Mm -hmm. So we guide couples into actual spiritual experiences. Sometimes they get into a trance-like state or a soul-birthing state, and these can be really intense experiences with huge waves of emotional releases and and so much intuitive information coming through it can be really overwhelming and but the masculine's job in that situation and you can switch back and forth because you hold that role for me sometimes and me for you is to be able to hold that spiritual experience so the way i describe it sometimes is like if somebody is going like i remember hearing about in woodstock they had the acid tent so there was so many people doing acid at Woodstock that if you started the having concert, though, yeah, the mm-hmm. famous concert, if you started having a bad trip, mm-hmm. you would go into this tent and there would be people that were sober to help guide you through the experience mm-hmm. and turn it around from mm-hmm. a bad trip into an okay thing. So they're holding the structure and the safety. So they're holding the structure and the safety and they're like your guide mm-hmm. through this spiritual experience. So we do that a lot with couples where if one person is going into some deep spiritual experience, the other one becomes that grounded voice in the container. And so it's like they're holding the polar opposite. Mm -hmm. One person is holding the opposite of like, it's okay for me to totally fall apart right Mm -hmm. now. I don't need to be functional. I can become totally dysfunctional because I have this person right next to me that is remaining functional Mm -hmm. and they're going to be my voice through this experience and in that way like that scene i was talking about in dune that functional person is saying no to their emotions in that moment they have the ability to say no i'm not going to go into this with you right now i'm holding the space i'm so they have a certain level of control and clarity that i think is is one of the greatest gifts of the masculine i love that well, we have so much to say on this topic. We should probably wrap it up for today because there's probably going to be like 30 installations of yeah. us talking about the masculine feminine yeah. different ways over time. But if you're interested in this topic and you want to dive deeper, Adam does individual masculinity sessions and then we also do couple sessions together. So if you want to work on that constellation, polarity, dynamic in your relationship, it's really fun to do a couple session all together. And anything else you're thinking for for today? I would say um, I'm so excited to dive into this material. We've been working on Holy Love, our book, for two years and having tons of this masculine feminine material we're excited to get to and Mm -hmm. come forward. So now now that the book's really written and we're just sent final edits and February it should be in print, we can start to bring out all our other content. I think the last thing I'd like to say about the masculine, and this goes out to the people out there that are listening who want to start working on their masculine. I would say that the masculine starts 
with you. And that it's not about adding something into your life or developing a new skill or becoming better. It's not a self-improvement project because you're not good enough as you are. Becoming your masculine is about really accepting who you are and then finding your inherent power that's there. So I think we'll end on that note. Thanks everybody for listening.